Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. We are continuing our journey on relational intelligence, and this week I want to talk to you about the law of confrontation. The law of confrontation. You remember that famous, that famous voice uh, had to do with boxing, that famous voice that said, let's get ready to rumble. Anybody remember that, that famous voice? And, uh, you know, that's what people think about when they think about confrontation is they think about fights and rumbles and uh, negative outcomes. But here's the truth. The truth is that no meaningful relationship can take place unless there's some form of confrontation. Let me say that again. No meaningful relationship can ever take place. You cannot have a healthy relationship unless there is some level of confrontation within that relationship. And you know, this morning, as I was uh, driving into church, I, I turned on uh, the radio or the news was on or something, and I, I don't know if that, this has anything to do with my message. It probably has, does not, but somehow I needed to uh, fit it in because they were, they were talking on the news about uh, during COVID, they're saying that because people are working from home, the sales of deodorants and antiperspirants are way down. Because people are working at home, the sales of deodorant and antiperspirants are way down. And I thought, okay, I guess that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, you want your family to suffer. You don't want strangers to suffer. But then they said this, mayonnaise has doubled. The sales of mayonnaise has doubled. You know, I could go a lot of places with that, but I'm just going to leave it because we're talking about relational intelligence. And so uh, we have a lot of people that are not wearing deodorant and antiperspirant, but clearly they are, I think they're eating mayonnaise because it certainly has, um, it certainly has doubled. But I want you to turn in your Bibles. Somebody put on... Um, on Facebook there on the chat, yay mayonnaise. I want you to look at your, at your Bibles and I want you to go to the book of Galatians. I want you to go to the book of Galatians because we're gonna talk about confrontation. And in particular, we're gonna talk about two super apostles. We're gonna talk about Paul, we're gonna talk about Peter. But I want you to understand, my friends, that even before we go to the book of Galatians, starting in the book of Genesis, you know, Pastor Moses there brought a story of Cain and Abel. Uh, isn't it amazing that when Cain failed, God confronted him? When Adam and Eve failed, God confronted them. He confronted the snake. And throughout the entire Bible, even in the book of Revelation, Jesus confronts the church. We have prophets that confront kings and leaders, and we have confrontations within the Old Testament, within the New Testament, within the body of Christ. But here is here is a reality. Most people don't like confrontation, right? Come on. Most people avoid confrontation like the plague. They, they would rather run, hide, uh, suffer personal loss and injury as long as they don't have to confront people and situations. And really, it's because they don't know how to confront well. And, and here's, here's a truism. In the body of Christ, we don't confront well. When we confront, people get offended, people leave, people get hurt. And so then other people are like, well, we don't want to go there because we're going to lose relationship and, and this is going to turn out poorly. And, and yet, my friends, 
Whether it turns out poorly or not, I want to give you some, some principles from the Word of God that confrontation is absolutely essential. It is, it is critical. <laughs> you, you cannot have a relationship even with God without confrontation. As a matter of fact, you could not become born again. Think about this now. Unless the Holy Spirit had confronted you about your sins. And then at some point, you need to look in the mirror and say, I am a sinner, right? Unless you confront yourself and call yourself a sinner, you can't even be saved. Literally, eternal life starts with confrontation. And so here we have a story of these two super apostles out of Galatians chapter 2. Let me give you, let me give you a little bit of background first, because Paul's writing to the people of Galatia, and you remember these people had started in the truth, in grace and freedom, and, and walking in liberty in Christ. And then Paul says this. He says to them, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Translations, you idiot Galatians, who cast a spell on you? That's literally what he said. He said, you, you started in the truth, and now you think you're going to be justified by going back? Didn't we just hear that? You started in faith, you started in truth, you, you received liberty, and now you want to go back to your old ways and think you're going to be justified with God. And so the whole letter is about bringing these people back to the liberty that's in Christ. It started in religion. Actually, the Galatians started in paganism, some of them in the Jewish traditions, thinking that they were going to be saved that way. They meet Christ, they're, they're, they're delivered, and then somebody casts a spell on them and they begin to retreat back into bondage. And this is what I love about Paul. Paul comes and he begins to declare freedom in their lives in Christ Jesus. You know, my friends, here's the truth. You know what the problem, and I'm going to say that word truth a lot today. The problem, quote unquote, with Christianity is this, that at the heart of Christianity is liberty. At the heart of Christianity is, is freedom. That when we know Christ and desire Christ and receive Christ, everything within our fiber cries out freedom and liberty. And this is why we even struggle in society today, because for us, we need to be free. But you know, there's a, a movement, a philosophy today, I call it the Babylonian system of bondage, where you think you're free, they tell you you're free, but in reality, you're bonded. You're in bondage. This is what I love about Christ and Christianity is the Bible says, for whom Christ sets free is free indeed. And so Paul uses something that happens between Peter and himself as an example of confrontation, as an example to this liberty that we're talking about. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. Galatians 2 and 11 says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I want you to stop right there. Because the Bible says that they were first called Christians in Antioch. This is where people said, oh, these are Christians. These are Christ followers. Before that, they had always been Jews that believed in Jesus. They were always Jewish people. They believed in Jesus. But now at Antioch, they were called Christians for the very first time. There was a shift. And Peter comes to Antioch. And Paul says, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. You notice that I've highlighted a couple of the words there. He, he, says, he says here, and let me, let, me, let, me just, you know, let me just circle some of these things. And I think Pastor Moses tells me not to use red, but 
Um, let me see if I could change it so I don't have to hear from him later. Amen. I don't have to have a confrontation about the colors that I, that I use here. But, but here's what Paul's saying. I, I had a confrontation with Peter, a face-to-face discussion. Watch what it says. Because he was to be blamed. Paul says Peter was wrong. Wrong about what? We're going to get into it. Uh, some of your translations will say this. Peter stood condemned. Can you imagine? That's strong language. Peter stood condemned. In other words, Paul's saying Peter was wrong. I'm going to tell you what he was wrong about. Isn't it amazing today, my friends, nobody's ever wrong anymore. Nobody's to blame anymore. Everybody has a reason, an excuse, a, a background, a victimization. Nobody's ever wrong. You know, uh, we, have a, we have a group of people on social media that literally are going around murdering women because at some point in their life, they were rejected. And now they justify this behavior, never to be blamed, but somehow we're victims and women rejected us, and so now we're going to murder innocent women. Sin is so, so twisted. He says this, For before certain men came from James, James is the pastor in the Jerusalem church, right? It was the headquarters of Christianity at this time. He would eat with the Gentiles. Who? Peter. Remember, Peter's a Jew. He's eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, you know, people from James that were clearly more conservative than, than the Christians here in Antioch, particularly with food. And this is a, I don't have time to break this down about the, the ceremonial laws of, of the Jewish faith versus non. And, and he says, he, he, but when they had came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Now, these are, these are Christians. These are followers of Jesus. But what Paul is saying is they're Jewish people. They're still grounded in some of their traditions, but they're born-again people, right? So watch this scenario. Peter is in Antioch. He's having a great time with the believers. He's eating with them and fellowshipping with them and having a wonderful time. And then when these Jewish believers come from Jerusalem, come from James, something happens to Peter. He withdraws himself because of fear. He becomes, he becomes influenced. And so look, look at verse 13. It says, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. The rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. In other words, this behavior was, was beginning to spread. This behavior was having an impact on other people so that even Barnabas... Paul's partner in his assignment to the Gentiles, he says, even Barnabas was carried away. Interesting word. I'm going to talk about hypocrisy. That even Barnabas was carried away. Think of a, like a river. Just, just think of things being you know, carried away. Uh, even he got caught up in, in the hypocrisy. He even he got caught up in the insincerity, in the pretense of what was going on. Now watch what... Paul is observing this. He, he, he saw what things were like before these, these people came from Jerusalem. He's watching Peter. He's watching the Galatians. He's, he's watching the Christians in Antioch. He's watching the Jews. He's, he's watching uh, Barnabas. And, and Paul begins to discern something's going on here. Something's wrong. And he says, but when I saw, very important, when I saw that they were not straightforward. You know what that word means? They, they were out of step. They were no longer in line. They, they, they were no longer sincere. They were no longer literally straightforward. They were, they were not walking upright about what? About the truth of the gospel. 
about the truth of the gospel. Here's what Paul's saying. It wasn't about my opinion. It wasn't about my emotions. It wasn't about how I felt about things. Literally, I saw that Peter, the rest of the Jewish people, and Barnabas did not walk in line, in step with the truth of the gospel. And he says, when I saw that, I said to Peter, before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? And then Paul just drops it. The next verse, he begins to talk about faith and liberty in Christ. He, he, he doesn't give us the end of the story. He doesn't give us Peter's response. He doesn't give us the, the response of the Christians in Antioch or the Jewish people or Barnabas or anybody. He just leaves it right there. <laughs> Kind of like in the book of Philemon, when uh, I love this, I, either Paul assumes that we're going to read that, that things you know, turned out well and there was repentance and, 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 and a greater move towards the liberty that's in Christ, but literally Paul doesn't tell us that. So my friends, I, I have some truisms about confrontation that I want to share out of this passage, but first of all, let me just, let me just, say, this about, let me just say this about a couple of the, of the people that are, that are most important in, in this story. Number one, Peter. Because if, if you really read the story, do you know what this is about? This is about racism in the Bible. This is, this is about people struggling with their ethnicity and their liberty in Christ. And, and Peter struggled. You know, you look at the book of Acts. Peter struggled with this. It wasn't, it wasn't the first time that Peter's having an issue. You remember the, the, the blanket came down with all the animals and Jesus having to rebuke Peter and correct Peter and saying, don't call anything that I make clean common. And you'd have thought Peter would have learned his lesson. You know, this great apostle, this great leader, you thought he would have learned his lesson by now. But here he is again struggling with the very same issue as he did before. But Paul... Paul, who had been assigned to the, what? To the unbelievers, to the pagans, to the heathens, he recognized and brought the liberty really to the world. This is really why we have the message of the gospel was because Paul was willing to believe that Christ died literally for everybody. If you read the book of Acts, you will notice that the, the, the apostles and, and the key leaders remained in Jerusalem, and it was people like Paul and Barnabas. And I think this is why Paul was shocked, saying, Barnabas, you, you ought to know better than to get caught up in this. I mean, you've been with me on assignment. You, you know we've gone to the Gentiles. You've seen Christ move. You've seen the, the Spirit of the Lord fall upon them. How could you get caught up in this? And my friends, that's not to say that Peter and Barnabas and any of the other believers are, are bad people. They're not evil people. They're not bad people. But I want you to, sh I want you to see the subtlety of our, of our background. I want you to see the subtlety of our, our heritage and our ethnicity and all our traditions. Remember what Jesus said? He said, your traditions make the word of God of no effect. Remember he said, Jesus said that. He said, your traditions make the word of God useless and powerless. How powerful are our traditions and how powerful are our backgrounds and, and the places we come from that, my friends, they can subtly take a hold of us and we don't even know that it's happening. Peter, the super apostle, the leader of the faith. I mean, can you imagine the Christians at Antioch hearing that Peter, oh, Peter's coming. Peter's coming. Wow, you know, Peter's coming. Let, let's, let's break out the feast. Let's break out the meals. Let's have an incredible time. And they were having an incredible time until some influencers came. And then Peter began to follow a mob mentality. He didn't even know what was going on. 
I don't even know if he knew he was doing anything wrong. And, and the Jewish people with him, and then even Barnabas got, got carried away, got swept away into this mob mentality until Paul came and said, when I saw this was going on, when I saw they weren't in line with the truth of the gospel, he said it was confrontation time. It was time that I withstood Peter to the face. Here's some of my, my key points, and then we, we will get into a, a few things in, in a moment here. Number one, here's my, my points that I want to draw from the passage. Confrontation allows the truth to be unearthed, and it reveals the hidden self. Confrontation allows the truth to be unearthed because the truth is not ready available. Sometimes you're going to have to dig, and you're going to have to dig hard for the truth. And then it reveals things about ourselves that maybe we don't even see, we don't even want to look at. But here's the reality, my friends. If you are going to grow in relational intelligence, if you're going to grow as a disciple of Christ, if you're going to grow in any way, shape, or form, it has to start with self-confrontation. Looking at yourself in the mirror, looking at the truth about yourself, not just the parts you like about yourself and the things you want to hide, but literally looking at the heart of all matters. This is why the Bible says guard your heart with, with what? With all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. Number two, confrontation must be based on the standard of the truth. Confrontation is not about opinions and feelings and emotions and I'm so angry and I'm so you know, irritated and that's not just and this is not, no, no, no. Paul said they weren't in line with the truth of the gospel. So many of God's people today, my friends, listen, so many of God's people are so angry, they're so passionate, maybe rightfully so, about so many things today, but the reality is this, they're not always using the standard of the gospel. They love to confront they love to spout off. They love to quote things. They love to say things. They, they'll march and they'll do every, every different thing. But, but is it to the truth of the gospel? You know, my friends, listen, buckle up just for a moment. Because there are, there are movements in our world today, cancel culture, the, the whole woke, uh, you know, they're awakening under, under certain things. I, I want you to understand that many of these movements are enemies of the cross, Many of these movements are enemies of the cross. And so Paul says here, here's my standard. My standard is the truth of the gospel. You know, just this week, I've had to do two funerals. Had to stream them like we're doing hundreds of people watching, watching these funerals. Do you, do, you, do you know that in a funeral how, you know, now thank God I knew that, you know, they were, they were relatives of mine, they're saved. I knew where they were going. But, but in funerals, you know, the temptation is because you want people to feel good and, and you want to comfort them. I've, I've heard so many people make declarations that they don't even know is true or they want to they peddle the truth of the gospel. The truth is this, there's no other way to be saved but through Jesus Christ. So you're either going to deliver the truth to people and maybe hurt their feelings a little bit and hurt their emotions a little bit, or you love people enough and you care people enough to confront them with the truth so they don't wind up in hell. Here's my third point. Confrontation challenges and ultimately develops people. I'm not talking about confrontation where we're just going to rip people's face off. I'm, uh, that, that, that's, you know, I'm not talking about you know, road rage and all, all, the, all the rest of it. I'm talking about relational intelligence. I'm talking about having a skill and a, an ability to deliver the truth and to, you know, as, as Paul says to the book of, in the book of Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, that ultimately it's about restoration. It's about redemption. It's, it's about bringing people to the truth. And that's what, that's what Paul was doing to Peter. Paul was 
was saying, listen, Peter, I'm going to challenge you to rise up. I'm going to challenge you to rise up to the standard and to the freedom of Christ because you clearly need to be developed in this area. Now, my friends, I don't know this to be doctrine. So I, I want to just preface that. But I want you to notice that in the book of Acts, after that little encounter with Jesus about Cornelius and the house of Cornelius, I want you to notice that literally Peter vanishes off the scene. His ministry is, is no longer seen. He is gone, and from there, Paul and Barnabas take over, and ultimately, Paul takes over and writes two-thirds of the gospel. Could it be, my friends, that, that Jesus needed, Christ needed now a warrior, a leader, Someone that was going to deliver the truth and the gospel to the entire world and not just remain in Jerusalem and not just be focused on Jewish people. Could it, could it be that Peter actually in some ways was disqualified from a more extensive ministry because this continued to be a struggle in his life? I really believe, listen, listen to me very, I don't, I don't care how anointed you are, I don't care what vision you have, unless you get this right, you will be limited in your outreach and in your capacity. Whatever group, whatever belief you come from, uh, whatever arena you want to put that in, whether it's in columns of faith, ethnicity, whatever, whatever you want to put it, if, if, if that's going to limit you in the sense of who you will deliver the message of the gospel to, then you might actually be limiting how God can use you. Here is, my, here is my fourth point. Confrontation requires due diligence. I'm going to get to that in a moment. Confrontation requires due diligence. In other words, you just don't jump into confrontation. You, you, you just don't get into, into people's face. You see, when, when we read that, you know, Paul, I withstood Peter to the face. People are like, yeah, aggressive people, uh, type A personalities are like, yeah, you know, I'm direct. I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to just punch your lights out. I, you know, I, I just can't wait for an opportunity. Let that bell ring and I'm, and I'm in there. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not, what, that's not what Paul is talking about because confrontation requires wisdom. It requires knowledge. It requires understanding. And so I, I have some pictures, some images uh, that I want to show you because in these images, uh, you're going to probably find yourself, right? And, 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 and by the way, the, the images are very uh, simplistic. I, I could have used a lot more, but I, I think it'll deliver the point. The very first image that we have is that of a, a lion, very aggressive line, a very forceful line. And, and so styles, these are styles, right? Styles of, of confrontation. Um, anybody a lion out there? Anybody's like, yeah, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to roar. I'm ready to, I'm ready to bite somebody's head off. You have any family members like this? You know, every family usually has a member like this that, that everybody avoids and nobody wants to talk to and nobody wants to confront because they know the moment they say anything, this is what happens. And so they create a system. They create a system of, well, you know what? That's just the way he is, or, or that's just the way she is. And we just kind of, we just kind of tiptoe. Uh, we kind of tiptoe around this individual because, because we don't want any trouble, and we don't want the lion to come out. And my friends, I want to say with all respect, what you have there is a dysfunctional family and a dysfunctional relationship and a dysfunctional individual. And actually, their behavior needs to be confronted uh, because this, this can be very, very uh, dangerous and very, very offensive. The, the second one that I have is uh, the ostrich. What does the ostrich represent? Well, 
The ostrich loves to bury their head in the sand. They, uh, they want to, you know, they don't, they don't want to hear it. They, they want to avoid things at all costs. It's like they're, they're the opposite of the lion. You know, they're, they're not going to rip your face off. They're going to go bury their head somewhere. They're, they're going to pretend like nothing is wrong. You know, I, I guess Paul could have taken that approach and said, well, you know what? It'll all work out. It'll all be okay. I'm, I, I'm sure God will handle this somehow. And let me just bury my head in the sand because, you know, Peter's a super apostle. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to offend him. I might need a favor from Peter at some point. And, and so if I stand up to him, you know, it, it's not going to look good. It's not going to go well. And he might go tell everybody back in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, and then James isn't going to like me. And Paul, Paul said, I'm not burying my head in the sand at all. Then we have the turtle. <laughs> what does the turtle do? You ever confront people and they just, they just go into their shell? Uh, they're not necessarily an ostrich. They're not going to bury their head. They'll listen to you, but, but all of a sudden they go into the cone of silence, right? You, it, it's, like, it's like they become comatose. They, they're, just glazed, they're just glazed over. You're like, you're like is anybody home? Is, are, 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 are you talking to me? Then they're going to be right in front of you, and, and they've gone into a different planet. They've gone into a different atmosphere, and they've gone into their shell, and, and you can't get a word from them. You, you, you can't get an opinion from them. You don't, you don't know if they're angry, they're hurt, they're bitter. They're, you, you don't know because they're hiding in their shell. One thing at least I appreciate about the lion is usually those people, you're going to know where they stand. You know, they might not deliver it the best way, but at least you know, wow, these people are angry or they're happy in the confrontation. People in their shell, you don't know. And then my, my final one, I don't know if you know what this is, is a bird. This is a bird, and this is actually a roadrunner. Anybody remember the Looney Tunes cartoons from way back when? The roadrunner is a very fast bird. Remember the coyote would chase the roadrunner, the coyote, even though he was so clever, could never, ever catch the roadrunner. You know, just one time, honestly, I just wanted a truck to hit that roadrunner. Oh, it's just, even to this day, I'm like, kill that bird. I don't know what that is. Uh, maybe I got to go buy some mayonnaise. I'm not sure. But my friends, watch this. A, ro a roadrunner. <laughs> People in the room are laughing. A roadrunner is what? It's a, it's a flight mentality, right? The lion is, I'm here to fight. The ostrich, I'm here to bury my head. Pretend nothing happens. The turtle says, I'm in my shell. But the roadrunner says, oh, confrontation. I'm out of here so fast, I'll make your head spin. You're, be before you can even get a word in edgewise, they are absolutely gone. Which one are you? You say, well, pastor, you know, I'm not in. Yeah, you are. And, and I recognize that it's a complex scenario. But really, in one of these four animals, we'll know what we're like in the area of confrontation. So, Here's, here's two words that I've took directly, directly out of the book, Crucial Conversations. And, and, and what, I, what I love about this, and you know, uh, Paul, uh, Paul uh, Pastor Moses was even talking to us about filters. You remember that? Filters and facades. And, and I want you to understand that in our story, in our story, Peter's got some filters that are, that are going on. As much as he's this awesome leader, he's influenced by people. Even all this time later, filled with the Holy Spirit, he is still influenced. He has some, some filters to his Jewish roots and, and his Jewish faith. But, but in reality, he wants to look a certain way. And, and Paul says to us, fear was operating in Peter. He tells us right there. He said, fearing those, being intimidated by those that came, it changed his 
behavior. Isn't it amazing, my friends, that sometimes we can behave the right way, and then when a certain crowd comes along, we can change. We can be intimidated. Our, our filters begin to kick in because we, we want to fit in. If you're, if you're a young person, you know, you, you, you want to be with, I don't know, in my day we used to call it the cool crowd. I don't, I don't know what, what, what they call it today, the in crowd, right? But, but I want you to notice something about the cool crowd and the in crowd is usually they get you into a lot of trouble. You know, the nerds, <laughs> the nerds are usually studying. You're not going to get into a lot of trouble with the nerds. But, but those cool people that are always pressing the boundaries, Always wanting to be part of the in crowd. Isn't that what social media is all about? I mean, I mean, my friends, just post something that's quasi-controversial. And, and then you have these, these sharks that come out of the water. I, I have on my page, I have, I have these trolls. These, I think they're called trolls. They, they just come out of the woodwork. Some of them are pastors, by the way. Trolls that just come up and, and every once in a while to, you know, to debate and to argue and to fight and to cast you know, dispersions on, 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 what I, on what I'm saying. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you pick up the phone and call me? Why don't you pick up the phone and call me? You're so courageous on social media. But you see, what happens is when you put blood in the water, the sharks come out. And sometimes they don't even agree with that opinion. They're just like, oh, we're going we're gonna to have a feast here. We're going to have some flesh here because people want a part of their flesh. So in the book, Crucial Conversations, he talks, they, talk about, they talk about two key words or philosophies when it comes to confrontation. The first one is violence. Everybody, you know, if you could write that in there, I'd greatly appreciate it. Violence, what do we mean by violence? Three key words here. So, let, let, well, no, you know what? Let me give you the definition. The definition of violence is this. It consists of any verbal strategy that attempts to convince, control, compel others to your point of view. It violates safety by trying to force meaning. Let me say that again. It violates safety by trying to force meaning. And under violence, you have controlling, you have labeling, and you have attacking. So what's controlling? Controlling is coercion or force or domination or intimidation and, and, and usually volume. Do you notice that when you're in a confrontation, volume begins to, to go up? People become louder. Sometimes they can even get physically violent. Uh, they can slam, you know, th things and all what? All to make their point and to show you, listen, I'm in control here and I will intimidate you by any means necessary. Labeling is, is where we, uh, you know, where we get stereotypes from, labeling people, labeling situations, labeling family members, because here's the truth. When we are in a confrontation, we are there to win. No one's in a confrontation to lose. And the more you think you're losing, the more you will do to win, and you become even more vicious. You'll, put out, you'll pull out whatever is necessary. You know, you're just like your father. You're just like your grandmother. You're just like your dead uncle for semester, you know, for, for generation. You know, you'll do whatever it takes to win. And then attacking. Attacking is about belittling and name-calling and and, and, and watch this, watch this. Not, not only at this point, on attacking, not only do you want to win the confrontation, you want to make people suffer. You've probably won the confrontation. And, and now you're like, oh, you're on the mat. I'm going, to just, I'm going to stamp you and rub you out to make sure the next time if you try to have a confrontation with me, here's what is going to happen. You, you move from just having a violent confrontation. Literally, you want to see people suffer and you want to see people hurt and bleed. Violence. But then we have something called silence, which is just as bad. 
just as bad in confrontation. And let me give you the definition of silence. It consists of any act to purposely withhold information. It all, it's almost always done as a means of avoiding potential problems. And it always restricts the flow of meaning. Silence always restricts the flow of meaning. And so under silence, we have three key words here. Masking. Masking means underestimating or sugarcoating things. Hello? Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, or sarcasm. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I mask a lot of things because I, I know that I am confrontational and I can be very direct. And, and so sometimes in trying to not be the lion, I tend to mask by being sarcastic. And, and maybe sometimes people are left with, is he serious? Is he joking? Is he, does, he really, does he really mean that? And so I'm working, I'm working on that masking. The avoiding, avoiding that, that ostrich. It means to steer away from sensitive discussions to, to literally uh, withholding, having conversations. Watch this. Having conversations but withholding certain parts of the issues, the facts, the matters that will make a difference. And then we have withdrawing. And we have withdrawing. It's that, that turtle, the, the pulling away from conversations entirely. It's, it's not even that they want to talk to you uh, about it at a certain point. And next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about confrontation. I'm going to talk about solution, conflict resolution. But today, really, I want to talk to you about the principles of confrontation, that we must have them. They are biblical, but we need to do it in a skillful and in a spiritual way when we redeem or how we redeem people. So I want to go back to my points. I want to go back to my points. Number one, let's go back to our points. Number one, confrontation allows the truth to be unearthed and what? It reveals the hidden self. It reveals the hidden self. I have a quote here. Here's what I put here. I said, effective confrontation ultimately removes tension. You ever have tension in your home, you ever have tension in your workplace, in the ministry, everybody knows it's there, everybody knows something's going on, but, but nobody wants to address it because no one wants to have the confrontation because either they don't know how or they're afraid of how people will respond. And so there, there's this underlying tension all the time. There, this, everybody knows it's there, but nobody wants to deal with it. But, but do you notice that, that when the confrontation occurs, a healthy confrontation, ultimately tension is released. It's like popping, it's like popping a balloon. Have you ever had a, if you've ever had an infection, let's say, you know, around your, your fingernails or, or your, your finger and, and all of a sudden you, or, or even a blister and, and that thing is just pounding and throbbing. And if you've ever, you know, if you've ever gone to the doctor, you know what they'll do? They'll, they'll, they'll prick that thing, right? So that what? The water, the pus, the infection, the whatever has to come out, comes out. And immediately you feel better. But I'll tell you, when they put that sharp object in there, <laughs> at that particular moment, you want to scream out because all that pressure that is built up, that's really what confrontation is about. And in our story here, something was building up upon, you know, around the believers. And Paul said, I'm not going to have this. I'm, I'm going to be the sharp object of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pop this thing because everybody knows what's going on here, but nobody wants to address it because we had... Peter, the super apostle that was involved. Number two, confrontation must be based on the standard 
of the truth. I, I already talked to you about freedom and I talked to you about liberty. And, and isn't it amazing that, that Paul said to Peter, Peter, I have an expectation of you. The gospel has an expectation of you. God has an expectation of you. And, and stop trying to watch this. Watch what, what, watch what Paul said to Peter. Why is it that you expect these people to live like Jews when you yourself are living like a Gentile? You're, you're, you're eating. You're not even following your own laws. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing, my friends, how many times we have expectations of people to live a certain way when we ourselves as believers won't live that way? We become very pious. We, we become self-righteous. We go, oh, look at those sinners. Look, look at the things they're doing. Look at the yeah, but what about the things that are happening in your life and in my life? I have, some, I have some quotes here that I wrote down. I want to read them to you. Any life decision, listen to this, any life decision that draws you away from the grace and freedom that is found in Christ is evidence that you have been bewitched. My friends, listen. If you have, I don't care how noble your cause is, if you are walking away from the truth of the gospel, it says to me that something has cast a spell on you. And, and Peter got into this whole, this, this whole thing in Antioch and literally he began to walk as someone that had been bewitched, as someone that had started in the truth and now was ending up back in the old way, back in the old life, back in bondage. My friends, you know, I, I wrote something here as well, and I, I, I've been thinking about God's people. My friends, listen, do you really need the world to tell you that you're wonderful and amazing? Is that really where you want to get your affirmation from, that groups of people will, will tell you that you're worth it and you're amazing and that your life matters? Is, is that really where you have to get your affirmation from, or, or is it in Christ and is it in the gospel? Notice, notice number three, confrontation challenges and ultimately develops people. Confrontation ultimately what? It is there to redeem people. It's there to, to challenge our old ways. It's, it's there to, to sharpen us. And I want to be clear about something because people are like, yeah, you know what? That whole, you know, I'm going to speak truth to power. I want you to understand you have two super apostles here. Paul was a super apostle. Peter's a super. What you have is authorities at, at the same level that, that are confronting one another. Be careful. Be careful that you don't step out of line and out of order when you begin to confront people and people in leadership that what? Are outside of your level of authority. But my friends, I want to say this because I, I believe that we're living in a day you know, I hear this all the time. You know, people quote Romans and they, you know, they say, well, we got to obey everything. Let, let, let me tell you something, my friends. There, there are some things that have to be confronted. Tyranny needs to be confronted. Injustice needs to be confronted. Now, it has to be done in a biblical and in a right way. I, I want you to notice that God sent prophets to kings all the time. Nathan was sent to David to confront him over his sin. People in leadership, governments, need to be confronted because there are things that are happening that are wrong, that are evil, that have a bias and an agenda. And this is the importance of the church because the church is given the responsibility to carry the truth and to bring people into liberty. I love what I love about, I love the Bible, but I love about this story is, is, 
is Paul says, I confronted Peter to the face in front of everybody. Why did he do that? My friends, why did Paul confront Peter publicly? Why didn't he just pull him aside and go, hey, Peter, listen, what you're doing isn't right. I don't know. Watch this. Because the offense took place in public and it impacted the body. And Paul said, I'm going to deal with this thing because it's a public matter. You know, what frustrates me more than anything is people that offend publicly want to apologize to you privately. Hmm? They, they, they'll blow up your whole world and then they want to send you a text message saying, oh, I'm sorry. That's, you know what? That's not relational intelligence. That doesn't cut it. Your repentance ought to be to the same level as your offense. Which says this, if you, have, if you have missed it, you've missed the mark and you did it publicly, go apologize to all the people that were in that particular scenario. Never mind this nonsense about, oh, I'm just going to pull you aside. I'm going to send you a little card. No, 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 no. You do it correctly. You do it biblically. Paul said, hey, this was a public matter, Peter. We're going to correct this in front of everybody. I wrote a few things here. If you care enough about people, you will confront them. If you don't care about people, you won't confront them. But if you care, you love people, you're going to confront them. And I believe Paul loved Peter and said, I'm going to confront you because I care about you. I also wrote this. Love and care is demonstrated when we are willing to confront people. In other words, we're willing to take a risk, even of the relationship because we care enough for that individual. My friends, here's my last point. And Michael, you can come up. Confrontation requires due diligence. I love what Paul says. He says, when I saw. Remember we read that? He said, when I, when I observed. When I, when I began to look at all the people and the scenarios that were impacted and affected. In other words, Paul says, I'm just not, I'm not going to jump in. My, my friends, how many people jump into confrontations? They don't even have the full story. They haven't done their due diligence. They haven't investigated. They haven't talked to everybody. They, they take one side because maybe there's an affiliation there. Maybe based on history or experience, like, well, you know what? There's no way this person could be wrong. How many ministries have damaged people because icons that we put on pedestals, we say, well, that person could never do that. We don't investigate. We don't do our due diligence. And then other people are destroyed. As a matter of fact, not, not only are they destroyed, sometimes those very icons go after the truth tellers, destroy their reputation, destroy their lives to eliminate them. But watch this, the truth always comes out. Paul said, when I saw, when I observed, I watched Peter. I watched the people in Antioch. I watched Barnabas. I watched all this hypocrisy. He said, and I was calling you what it was. I, I did my due diligence. I, I, you know, I observed. I came to a conclusion. And I looked at it through the lens of the gospel. Paul said, before I said anything, I, I looked at the standard and I said, no, 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 no. This isn't in line with the standard of the gospel. 
this isn't my personal opinion. It's, it's not my bias. It's not because I love the people of Antioch. It's not because they give to my ministry. It's not because they let me in their homes. No, the standard was off. Today, I make so many excuses for people. So many reasons to let them off the hook. And, and we no longer measure according to the standard of the gospel. We have a political affiliations and family relations. And well, they owe me this, and I want to be in favor with that person, and I, I don't want to get out of sort with that individual, and I and I want to be part of this crowd. Oh, well, Paul said, You're wrong. You're to be blamed. And then Paul doesn't end there. He said, you know, I looked at the motives. And Peter's motive was fear. He said, I saw that Peter was being motivated by fear. <laughs> How many of us take the time to look at root issues? What's motivating people? Why, why are people behaving the way they are? Instead of just saying, oh, well, you know what? That's the way they're like. I'm talking to some people today. You need to address dysfunction. You, you need to address attitudes. You need to address some things in your family because some people use that as a mechanism to avoid accountability. It's not acceptable. You say, well, pastor, what if, what if I've confronted them? And why, what, what if I, you know, what, what, what if they won't come to the light? What if, they don't, what if they don't want resolution? Then my friends, honestly, sometimes they need to depart your life. I think sometimes you need to say to people, we cannot be in relationship. You say, what if they're your family members? Yeah, including your family members. I've been there. I bought that t-shirt. I've had to say to people I love the dearest with all my heart, you cannot live here this way. Because there's a standard that we live by. There's a king that rules. And we're going to live by the king's rules. And if you're rebellious, you can't live here. Because my friends, I, 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 listen, I am prophesying to somebody. If you love people enough, you will allow consequences to work themselves out. See, we, we have this idea that, oh, we should never let people suffer. We, 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 should never let, we should never let consequences. No, no, no. Some of the most powerful people have come to Jesus because somebody allowed consequences to play out. See, God doesn't stop everything. If that was the case... Before David got involved with Bathsheba, God would have said, no, 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 David, let me stop you. Didn't stop him. He said some consequences, they're gonna pay their, you're gonna pay some consequences and they're gonna play their way out in your life. But ultimately, David, ultimately you're gonna be called a man after God's own heart. Let me close by saying this. And I've asked Shannon to come back and sing that song, The Victory is Yours. My friends, ultimately, you can say the right thing with the right motive 
but do it in the wrong way. It's not just about having truth. It's not just about having the right motive. How many people will say, oh, you know, when everything has gone and exploded, and they, God's people say things like, well, you know, God knows my heart. That's a very religious statement for poor relational intelligence. God knows my heart. Have the truth. Have the right motives. But my friends, we have to deliver it with grace and with love, with patience and kindness. You know, when I was younger in my ministry, I, I just wanted to get people saved. And a lot of times I would just, you know, attack their beliefs and attack their religion. And, you know, I don't know, hopefully as you get older, you get a little wiser. And in these two funerals that I did, and I knew that I was prophesying to people. But, you know, I don't care about people's religion. I, I don't care about what they're caught up in and what they what they, you know, worship and what they believe. And my message was very simple. Give your life to Jesus. Just repent. Get saved. Give your life to Jesus. I will trust the Holy Spirit that as he liberated me and my family, he will liberate you. I'm not Holy Spirit. And I have learned even in confrontation that my friends, sometimes the more you attack things, the, the, the harder people hang on to them. You're sharing Jesus. Don't, don't attack their religion. Don't attack their gods. Don't, don't, don't attack what you believe and know to be false. Just share Jesus. He's enough. And let him liberate them. Let him set them free. If you love people, you will confront. If you're wise, you'll do it in the right way.